1: Well, it it would seem like if, if somebody can become more grounded, that you'd be in a better place to, to make better decisions, I would, I would think. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that when people make poor decisions, what I see in my practice, when people regret their decisions, let's say, it's usually because the decision was based in fear or a really strong emotion, anger, resentment, um, and the people that are usually happy with their decisions didn't make the decision when they were based in an emotional state.
1: Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I think when when I've made reactive decisions, I you almost instantly regret it. You know, mm-hmm. you you can tell you can tell in the moment. You know, like yeah. I'm I'm in a high reactive state. I am. I'm doing something I am not going to be happy about, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> almost immediately after this event is over. I've been in that situation. Yeah. I think we all
3: have. It's not so much, I think, making a decision that is based in emotion as it is anytime emotions are guiding the decision-making process, we're less likely to make decisions that are aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. So it, not all emotional decisions are reactive, um, yeah. But a reactive decision is almost always an emotional yeah. decision. What else would I be reacting to? Right. Yeah. But I could I could be depressed for a month <laughs> and making decisions the whole time. I could be excited for a month. I could be fearful for weeks on end. And, and so we could have those emotions linger for a long time and still impact the decision making process. And the reason that's negative is that if I've made a decision, foundationally, on 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 the basis of an emotion,
2: yeah,
3: I've likely not reflected on what's truly important to me because I mm-hmm. I am going to prioritize this fear, right? I'm going to prioritize this excitement,
2: and I would even add to that saying or that. Um, not only are you not really examining your values as much, but you're also probably not thinking about how your decision will impact other people around you. And certainly that applies to everybody in all walks of life, but it especially applies to the things that I work on because I really work on relationships and connection. And so when people make reactive decisions or emotionally based decisions, they're really just thinking about their emotion or not even thinking about it. Their emotion is guiding them and they're not really thinking about the fallout. Like one of the examples that I see a lot in my practice is extramarital affairs. And in the moment that seems really exciting and really attractive and they you'd you'd be surprised, but so many people just don't think about the emotional fallout for all the people around them. They might think about how it would impact their spouse or their partner. They don't think about how it's going to impact their children or how it's going to impact their parents or their neighbors or their church or, you know, because that kind of thing, once it comes out, it affects all those people. It changes all the relationships, Um, but they're just making that poor decision (laughs) out of the emotion in the
1: moment. Oh, for sure. I had a I had a discussion with a friend of mine who was going through a divorce a few years ago and he, he was, he was planning on getting divorced. And I said, well, here's something you should know <laughs> is that mm-hmm. your kids are, it's going to take them about 10 years to 15 years to get over this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and they're, they're not going to like you for a while. Yeah. Um and and he's like, what you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's how that's gonna go. They're gonna th- this is gonna really impact them.
2: Yeah, and- I'm surprised at how many people don't they they don't think about how their decisions will impact those around them. They really just think about how the decision is going to impact them
1: in the short term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not e- not even in the long term. Yeah, yeah, right. So when when you think about that term being grounded, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how are you defining that for your clients? Like, what do, you, what do you think about when you think about that term being grounded?
2: It's being aware and present in the moment. And when I do grounding exercises with my clients, it's usually to get in touch with all of their senses and to kind of get to a calm baseline so that they can think rationally and that they so that those emotions aren't overtaking them. And usually, I'll be honest, it's usually anxiety. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's excitement. Sometimes it's depression. But you can be grounded and be depressed. You can even be grounded and be afraid. It's just that you're kind of getting a hold of those physical reactions. And almost like, I would use an analogy, because I do think it's hard to actually describe it, like that there's a static and you're kind of turning down the static so that you can hear your own thoughts and your own wisdom and your own logic in your own breathing and just kind of calming down your sympathetic nervous system so that you can think clearly and be in the moment and so much we 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 have so much stimuli around us that it's like background static all the time, so it's kind of turning down the static.
1: How you, you made the comment somebody could be grounded and depressed, and mm-hmm. my my initial reason, I don't really understand enough about either one, maybe. Mm-hmm. But how
3: how? Let's can... start with grounding. I mean, when I hear the term grounding, I think walking barefoot in my garden. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so, I mean, for some people that, that could be, but so my favorite exercise for grounding to do really quickly with people when they feel a panic attack coming on, sometimes I have people do jumping jacks because you can't, you have to kind of focus a little bit on the coordination and you kind of have to stop focusing on going down that road of panic. It's to kind of bring you back to the present moment without distractions And so one of the other things I'll have people do, and sometimes not even when they're in a bad state, but just people who are overwhelmed when they go on their walks, I say, you know, just smell. What do you smell? Do you smell laundry detergent? Sometimes when I'm walking through my neighborhood, I can smell from the vents, the laundry. I live in Houston, Texas. There's always somebody got a brisket on the grill. I can always smell, you know, meat. You can smell laundry
3: detergent on the street?
2: You know why? Why? because I pay attention. Yes, I when I'm walking down the or street, Or do you have it. like
3: the world's most impressive nose? <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I don't. Sanger, try it. If you, I don't know if you, I live in a neighborhood with all homes, family homes. And if I, if I am walking down the street and someone's running their dryer, I can smell from the vent. But you have to, that's what being grounded is. You hit the, you hit it on the nose, no pun intended, but you have to <laughs> notice those things. And you probably would if you noticed. We're so busy listening to a podcast, looking around, thinking about our to-do list that our senses are not taking in just the normal. Impression.
3: Okay. I feel that. I, I can hear you. Yeah. Like if so I. You say, I'm thinking I'm going to yeah. go ride my bike later, I'm going to go ride my bike later today. I'm going to go down the trail. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about what it smells like unless it smells terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. So this unless is what I want you to do awful. next. Think, say, okay, what do I smell? What do I hear? We don't even pay attention to the noises. I will hear the leaf blower, but I often don't hear the birds unless I say, okay, what do I hear right now? What do I feel? I feel a breeze. I feel the sun. I feel... The wet grass.
3: Reminding ourselves to be present. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And we can do that best through our senses. So I tell people, go from top to bottom. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? I don't really taste anything on my walks, but you can do it other times. Uh, what What do I feel? So you go through your five senses and you ask yourself, and that brings you to the present. And if you're really working on being right there in the present, you're not distracted by all those other things. What am I doing later? When's this deadline? Did I answer that email? What time do I have to pick up the kids? Am I feeling anxious? You're just focusing on the moment. And that's something we should all do every day for mental health. Not just when we have to make a decision or when we're feeling anxious.
3: So start at the head, Mm -hmm. work down to the toes. Mm -hmm. What am I thinking? What am I seeing? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, What am I feeling? What do I feel on my skin?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. See so like now you got me like, look at this,
3: Kim. I'm so <laughs> uncomfortable now because I'm like, I feel or, my. Why are this... you uncomfortable? Because now it's like too many things that I'm thinking about. I'm like this stupid little cord from my headphones <laughs> is like on my forearm and my shirt. Oh, well, my shirt's on my neck and my chest and my and my abdomen and my shoulders.
1: Well, you remember when we. We. Uh. We're talking about. Want to ignore all these things? Remember when we were talking about Jeremy? You don't do it now, (laughs) Sanger.
2: You don't do
3: it now. Now you're supposed to be focusing.
1: Yeah, I would not
2: say this is the time to be grounded. I would. I hold on, hold
3: on, hold on. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) smelling right now.
2: back to something we talked about with grounding to um, just so I talked about the census but there's something I came across years ago that I want to share with y'all because it's been so helpful to my clients and I don't know that I know you, you talk about decisions all the time I don't know if this kind of technique has been brought up but I'm Catholic and I I love the Jesuits my sons went to Jesuits high Jesuit high schools and I've read a lot of Saint Ignatius work and Saint Ignatius came up with this principle, um, and I don't know exactly... What, oh, he calls it the Ignatian way of decision-making. He talks about like living in your head with the decision. So let's say you have to decide between job A and job B, or moving or not moving. And what I have is a lot of clients who are trying to help their kids pick a college or pick a private high school here in Houston. And so I tell them, live for 24 hours as though you've made decision A, and think about how that would impact. Go through your breakfast, go through your whole day as though you have made decision a and be in touch with all of your sentences. How does it feel? What would it look like? What would it maybe you don't know what it would smell like but um, you think about how that feels through the day and do that try on the decision basically for a day or two and then try on the other decision for a day or two and and pay attention to how your body feels and how your mind feels. And my clients who go through that exercise, now granted it takes a couple of days. You can't make a quick decision this way. But big decisions like whether to move, whether to take a job, what college to go to, you can all you can take a couple of days usually to do those. It's always becomes crystal clear to them as they sort of try on the decision, both decisions for a day. They can feel in their body and in their head which one is the better decision for them.
1: Do they, do they find that it's instant? Like when I start sort of really putting myself in that position, I've, I've made decision B Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm starting to assess and take inventory of what I'm thinking, feeling, you know, touching, uh, smelling, you know, so Mm -hmm. forth. Yeah. Are they finding that that is an instant clarification of the appropriateness of the decision or do they find that they're having to go back and keep reflecting on it or what?
2: I mean, the clients that I've done it, and I've done it myself, they usually know, let's say they're deciding between um, buying a new house or staying in their current house. And they try on the decision first of if we move, if we move to this other house they can usually tell by the end of that day and they don't even need to try on the second decision but i have them do it anyway i have them try on the second decision and give that the benefit of the doubt but yeah i mean i usually think they know within a day or two i don't think they know within 10 minutes
3: yeah